0: So Alison and I have been talking just prior to me pressing the uh, record button here about her upcoming trip to Morocco because it's going to relate very specifically to the uh, the topics which I'm hoping we're going to cover in this conversation. Let's backtrack just slightly then, Alison, from and kind of let everybody into our little conversation which we started and then decided, oh, actually, this should be part of the uh, the episode. So. Let's begin from the beginning so i said how are you what are you up to and you said
1: i'm dealing with the front log because in two weeks i'm off to morocco so i'm kind of like you know getting everything sorted and getting ready and know next week I might even be packing my suitcase um to actually go to Morocco I'm lucky lucky enough there's a woman who lives locally here who runs a company called Orbis Expeditions and what she does is she gets together a group of women entrepreneurs women business owners and I went with her on an amazing trip to Malawi um four years ago and this year she's doing a trip to Morocco um I mean she's doing the Malawi trips as well but that might for another another conversation. But um, we're going to go, we're going to go to america and fly out to Marrakesh, have a couple of days hanging out, shopping in the Souk, um, and then we're going to go up the Atlas Mountains um, because we're going to be working with a charity called Education for All, because it's actually quite difficult for girls to access secondary education up there because everybody's so spread out all over the place. So they run, in effect, boarding houses, and the girls come and get their education there um and we're all going to be going out and doing some workshops with them and we're kind of theming all around kind of empowerment and communication and you know really um some of them might go on to start their own businesses some of them might go on to work for the charity you know whatever it is they decide to do and the idea is to say they've got different options apart from getting married uh, and doing that but uh, so yes yeah, so that's going to be quite fun
0: So we're here listening to Alison Thika, who, as you're going to hear as we go through this conversation, is all about empowering women. And there are many, many threads to Alison's work. I mean, rather than give a like a big, heavy kind of formal introduction here, Alison, do do you want to just give us a flavour of, you know, this whole theme of empowering women, which clearly is is a real passion of yours because it, it touches on everything that it seems that you do Get to take a few little steps backwards, if you would, and just, just kind of give us a, a flavour of kind of how, really, you ended up in this kind of position.
1: Yeah, well, I've had all those, what do they call it? Is it a portfolio career? You know, it's where you kind of just do anything that you fancy, really. Uh, I mean, I kind of started off working in public relations, and that led me to teaching in higher education in public relations, marketing, entrepreneurship, all those kind of different things um and then um in 2009 um I started my own coaching and mentoring business uh and training and I did a lot of work there was a lot of work going on in Devon where I live about actually they'd realized there was some research that said if you actually help women to start their own businesses in a rural area it's going to actually improve economic you know the economic performance much more weirdly than if you help a man because men are normally economically active um but a lot of women are not economically active in rural areas so for every investment you every pound you put into having women start their own businesses you've got more back so i was then doing mentoring and training for a number of organizations that were um delivering programs, which was helping women start their own businesses. So so that was kind of what I did for a time. And then um, through I was still doing some kind of lecturing work at Plymouth University and I met a woman there who was great and she Mm, I'll say persuaded. That's probably the, you know, she kind of basically was on at me to do this PhD. So she said, I ought to do a PhD. And I decided to look at that role of mentoring, which I was doing for women entrepreneurs in a rural context. So that's how that came about. It was a bit like following a ball of string, really. You never know where you're going to end up. So I'm now, i been doing my PhD part time. I'm in my fourth year. I am hoping that I'm going to get it finished this year, that I'm in, I'm kind of in the writing up stage. Um, So that's kind of, I'd like to get it done now. I'm getting to the end of it. So I did a lot of research uh, and it was interesting doing it during kind of COVID because yeah, everything happens on Zoom, but all my research is kind of really done. But I think I managed to get two interviews done before everything closed down, but everything else is on Zoom. so I was doing that, and it was really interesting to see how that affected the context of um, the women that I was talking to and what they were doing with their businesses. Um, and then alongside that, and we'll kind of get to this later, we'll talk about the research, but I, the, the, the third element is that I, um, with a friend of mine, we decided there was a lot of kind of negative... Um, coverage of older women and um, particularly women in the menopause um, around on the media and so we set up a, we set up a, we call it courses and resources for women around the menopause and we were delivering this face-to-face um, courses to actually say to women well there are lots of different options you can have to manage the symptoms and actually menopause is not the be-all and end-all there's a lot of life beyond menopause so don't just concentrate about that go beyond that so I was kind of doing a lot of work with her which is about creativity and um, like you say empowerment and helping women just get their self-confidence back around menopause so that's quite a long-winded introduction um, but that's kind of how it all kind of fits together I guess.
0: Mm. Yeah and there's so many threads to this but that common kind of um, sort of thread to the story really is it for me that kind of comes across very very clearly is this thing about empowerment and confidence because you know we know it's you know society you know not just in in the west but everywhere literally has always been you know very very male dominated and when you look at kind of i mean i notice in the in the media um, only this week you know tim cook at apple was saying that you know it's very very clear that women are underrepresented in in tech you know for example and that's been a very male dominated kind of industry whereas you think about some of the what you might term sort of innate abilities in women versus in men what that might bring to the tech industry, which has been predominantly sort of engineering focused and centric. Whereas, actually, if you think of some of the skills that innately women bring to those kinds of sort of industries and discussions, I mean, fascinating the opportunity for kind of really moving the game forward. I mean, we really are really only still scratching the surface, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, There's a a great piece of research out there called the Athena Doctrine, which was a couple of guys that did, um, they did a TED talk on this. You can find them and you just put in Athena Doctrine. And what they did was they actually looked at, um, I think management qualities. So they kind of did this massive research worldwide where they had, um, I think the first one, they kind of got number of, um, it, was, it was thousands of people to look at, a number of qualities. And they said to them, which do you think are masculine, which are feminine, which are neutral? And then they took those words, and then they kind of said to another thousand group of people, 16,000 group of people, which of these qualities do you want in your leaders? Um, and Yes, uh, you know, not surprisingly enough, actually, most of the qualities that people wanted nowadays in their leaders re- were so-called feminine values rather than masculine. Um, and they also did it alongside, it's quite interesting, some of their research is, how happy are you with men in your country? And apparently nobody is, not even the men. Um, but anyway, so so that's kind of interesting. And I, I, I think it's this this whole idea of gendered qualities, to me, I am a bit kind of, Hmm. i'm a bit on the fence about it because i know that they talk about so-called you know feminine values masculine values and i'm thinking they're gendered rather than innate i would say i think that we name them as uh, women are good at this men are good at that but i think when you look at kind of brain research the brains are pretty much the same um it's just what we're what we're told as 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 children what we're you know what those kind of qualities are you know what people think you know whatever it is so it's not necessarily that we can't all be in tech or we can't all look after the children it's it's like it's what you're used to and it's your kind of learned competence i think so so yeah
0: yeah so is it from your perspective then it is more of a, a kind of a social norm and in, in terms of acceptability because we're seeing kind of men's health man's well-being vulnerability i mean the two big words that i've been really noticing over probably the last sort of 24 months or so in, in terms of you know men's health is this whole vulnerability thing um is, is being able to show you know empathy whereas before it was about be strong be strong i know sonia my wife always talks yeah. about you Know, the, the kind of the biggest male weakness is about this be strong Um she talks a lot about that and I, it certainly resonates you know for me the whole thing about why do you have to be strong women can be strong why do men have to be strong and, and then what no. what is strength i mean as so you listen to oh. brené brown strength is vulnerability so there's a lot of contradictions and kind of misunderstanding out there isn't there
1: yeah and i don't think these stereotypes serve men either you know, as they say, men are the kind of young men of the highest suicide group because they're, they're not fitting into that stereotype. So. So, yeah, it doesn't serve women or men, you know, um, and actually. So, yeah, this whole question about strength and empathy and all those different things. So, you know, I kind of it, it's interesting. It is that thing of looking at it. I mean, you know, my, my, my research is interesting in that sense because. When you read stuff about entrepreneurship, um, there is a way of being an entrepreneur and my thought was, well why is there such an imbalance? you know it's I mean there was a huge I mean it used to, before the pandemic interestingly enough in this country 19 percent of small businesses were women led. during the two years that, you know of the pandemic that's gone up to 35 percent. So, you're like, okay, that's interesting. Still not equal, but an interesting thing. So, and and the news, it's not all good news in the sense of a lot of women lost their jobs. More women lost their jobs. More women were put on furlough and then lost their jobs during the pandemic than men. You know, more women are doing part time work. More women, you know, are having to do work and their business and look after the kids and do the homeschooling and all the rest of it. So, it's not all good news. But what I was looking at was, so there is a lot of stuff in the textbooks, which kind of, I mean, you know, they talk about women entrepreneurs. Well, that implies that women are something different than an entrepreneur then, you know, what? So a woman entrepreneur is different than a man entrepreneur, is that right? Or is it just that we see so many, you know, when you when you look, when I, when I ask, I mean, I did some teaching with secondary school kids and I was like saying, so who do you think is an entrepreneur? Who was the top name? Elon Musk you know, and I'm kind of going, Oh, goodness me, you know, and if you're older, it's always Alan Sugar and Richard Branson, and you're going, oh, you know, it's all, you know, male, pale and stale, as they say, but, um, so for me, it was like looking at, well, are women actually practicing a different form of entrepreneurship than than men, that they should be called women entrepreneurs as opposed to men entrepreneurs. So that was one of the questions I had. Um, and, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not doing anything any differently, really. They're still, you know, people say, oh, are women more interested in the kind of social impact of their businesses? You know, are they, you know, because you have this whole stuff about, you know, um, women's businesses are going to be smaller, they're going to be more, um, you know, vulnerable, they they fail more often, although I would dispute that. And when you look at the figures, that's not necessarily So, um, you know, they go into, you know, areas which are kind of, women focused you know and you're kind of thinking well, how much of that is cause and how much is that is effect so is it that they go into those areas because it's easier for them to do that um because that's probably what they know about um you know they're going to go into hairdressing beauty salons whatever you know they're running a business um uh, but it's in that particular area but it's somehow downplayed you know if you're like elon musk and you're completely bonkers you know and you decide you know you're gonna do it you know have an electric car you Know and it is it's like you talking about tech, why are women are you know unrepresented there? Is it harder for them to get in? It's harder for them to get accepted. There's still those old-fashioned gendered notions about what people are good at, with, you know, if they're male, they're better at this, women they're better at that. Um, so yeah, it, it's just like it's kind of like where's the chicken, where's the egg here? You know, and it's like, you know, it was interesting for me to talk to it because you know, women are as concerned about profit as men are. Um, And uh, yes, most women I spoke to had another, you know, had another reason for going into their business. Um, And, and yet you can look at this when you look at uh, the Federation of Small Businesses did some really good research. And they looked at, um, because I think they're the largest kind of, uh, they're like the kind of small business equivalent of the CBI. When you look at you know the numbers of private businesses in this country the majority of them it's something like 80 or 90 percent are small businesses are, are you know employing less than 249 people so they're smes and they make a huge contribution to the economy and when you look at that you know um they did some research and it was like people are going into business for the same reasons whether they're men or women they're fed up with their opportunities at work You know, maybe they've had a disagreement with a boss. Maybe they've been made redundant. They want to make some money for their family. They might be living in an area where it's hard to get kind of work, Um, you know, and um, it's, uh, you know, uh, or maybe it's that they've got an idea and they want to do something with that idea. So I think that is largely the same for men and women. You go into business for the same reason um you want to run something rather than work for something else, somebody else. Um, you know, and if you live in Devon, you probably want to be able to go to the beach in your lunchtime as well, like me. Um, or just any time of day really. Um, so it's 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 those kind of things. So so I kind of came to the conclusion that we shouldn't be using the term you know, women entrepreneur or lifestyle entrepreneur. What an, what an insult! You know, and actually, why shouldn't you run a business because you want a great lifestyle? You know, and mumpreneur. Ugh. Ugh, hate that. So it's like, why use those phrases? Actually, they are all entrepreneurs. And when you look at it and you compare it with what's written about entrepreneurship, they're doing the same things. They're doing the same things. You know, they're focused on the same things. Um, the only thing, and this is different from the from the literature. The literature has this thing that you're going to have an idea, you're going to scale it up, and then you sell your business. So that every entrepreneur is about, you know, having the idea, scaling up, selling. No, no, no. 80% of small businesses, according to the FSB, just want to stay where they were. Men or women. They've gone into business for that reason. I mean, there's a guy down here that runs a He runs a surf shop. Well, not that he's ever in it. He's always in Bali surfing, but he's kind of set it up so that he's got a good team of of people that run run the shop for him, that run the business. He comes in, you know, right, he's here for a bit, then he's off there. So people have the same ideas about why they want to run a business, whether they're male or female, really.
0: So I want to just kind of explore this word entrepreneur then, because... Mm. I, I guess what you're describing here, and, and I and I have to say just putting on record that I am totally, totally behind everything that you've said so far in terms of the uh, this kind of addition of the word women in front of it. It's like, what is that about? Unless you can show me real evidence there's a difference, I'm, I'm not buying it, so I'm with yeah. you on that one. But is there a question about this definition of an entrepreneur? Because I think it is this word that, you know, you get college leavers coming out and they've, they've listened and watched all the latest kind of entrepreneurs the stephen Bartletts, the gary v's all these people who kind of have made a literally a brand a personal brand out of being an entrepreneur mm. but they would kind of almost be of the text but not the text but the dictionary definition of entrepreneur this kind of serial business owner builder scaler the seller then start again and create another one and have almost like multiple fingers in multiple pies so is that a different beast to what we're talking about here the lifestyle business owner who is kind of very very consciously not scaling do you do you see kind of like different types of entrepreneurs here
1: yeah. I mean, I suppose I kind of, in the end, I kind of ended up, you know, when I looked at all the different, you know, definitions that there are, you know, which going back to like the 1700s when they kind of said what they were, what they were. And it was like, at the end of the day, as far as I was concerned, it was somebody who kind of set up a business. That's what it was. An entrepreneur was that. Um, they didn't necessarily have to be innovative they didn't have to be an inventor and in fact that's not in the definition of entrepreneurship there you know there is this feeling that they should be innovative but they don't have to invent anything it's not like you have to come up with a new product in order to be an entrepreneur you can set up a business around anything so you know it's all about having um having a, an idea setting up a business being independent doing some kind of activity for profit yeah profit is in there um but the people that you talk about, I would say, if you look at the mass of what I would consider entrepreneurs, I mean, a lot of the women I talked to, they said, oh, I didn't think I was an entrepreneur. And in fact, I don't want to be an entrepreneur, because I don't really associate, I don't like that word. I don't want to be one. like that It doesn't look like, you know, the kind of person that you see, you know, good old Alan Sugar, you know, you're fired, whatever it is, I don't want to be that kind of person, and I'm going. Well, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at people who are independent, who are starting their own business. And as far as I was concerned, I looked at successful. I was looking at success because I was looking at the role of mentoring. You know, how much does mentoring? How much is it important to your success? So my definition of success was simply that they had survived for more than three years. Because when you look at it, fifty percent of the small businesses go to the wall in three years. So for me, if you're in the you know that that the other bracket that's successful now some of the women that i talked to they had scaled up they had scaled up i think two of them two of them were at that level one was at the level of running a very very successful business and she was just about she was in the stages of appointing um a good management team you know managing director and all the rest of it so that she could take a step back and have even more fun um and i think there was one that i spoke to who was at that stage. And actually, I met her afterwards. And she said, Oh, yeah, we ended up selling the business. But, you know, they run that business for 17 years before they did that. So it wasn't it wasn't just a kind of, oh, like, let's do this, let's scale it up, sell it and move on. Um, some women out there that were running, there were many that were running multiple businesses, I think the, the one I spoke to was running four different businesses, you know, so yeah, and I imagine that you find men doing exactly the same. So, you know, the areas and I looked at the areas that they were doing it in, um, you know, I was I, I looked at. Um, yeah, there was some retail, there was some um, health, health. Um, there was a lot of health um, around here. Property, women are big in property businesses, that kind of thing. Um, I spoke to a couple of farmers um, and, uh, you know, that's been the classification of a rural business in the past. Uh, the farmer is the farmer and the farmer's wife has the business to kind of make up the cost of what they can't afford because, because as one of them said to me, yeah, no no farm actually is going to survive on its own at the moment, just growing stuff. You have to diversify. So two two different farmers I spoke to about that. Um, And, uh, and yeah, so that was another thing that I kind of found this whole idea of rural enterprise. What does rural enterprise look like? Because, um, there is an idea that it is farm-based, that it's you know, on a farm, and then you diversify it's the woman running the tea room or the or the holiday accommodation. And rural business doesn't look like that either. So so I kind of came up with ideas. One, we don't need to talk about women entrepreneurs, and the other thing, really, we probably don't need to talk about rural enterprise either, because it's looking, and particularly since the pandemic, particularly since everything pivoted and went online. A lot of it's looking just the same as you would be running in a in a in a town. You might have a bit more interesting things if you've got a product. It might be more difficult to get it to market. You know, there might be other kind of issues in terms of you know transport and and access and things like that. But actually, the kind of businesses I was coming across in a rural context, you could be running them in a in a town or in a city. You know, just the same. So, so that's me. Yeah, let's just cast out all these different differentiations. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm, it's interesting it feels like the way the way you describe it feels like the pandemic and all of the lockdown and all of that kind of sudden restriction and kind of a real I think, societal kind of shakeup is kind of on this side of it which I think you know is for a lot of people has been a really positive experience you know if they actually yes. take stock and look at it as a, a giant experiment so we won't go into any of the details here but okay. if they kind of just take those step backs and say okay actually where you are now versus where you were, I think from the way you're describing it then, if somebody is today thinking about setting out on their own so they're thinking about you know actually this isn't the lifestyle i want or you know i'm a woman who's actually don't not i'm not really feeling rewarded enough sort of to stay in this role actually now the opportunities this side feel if they're not location specific or location limited should we say if they're not gender limited because you're saying well anybody can do anything but just take the word woman out of it you can do whatever you want to do it feels this side then we're actually on a a pretty good course going forward, whoever we are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. And I kind of think that the interesting thing about the pandemic was the way in which we worked was completely changed. I mean, that's what women women have been, yeah, doing the double shift forever. I mean, I did it myself. You know, I was a single parent. I brought up the kids. I was working in education. You know, I was a principal lecturer, course leader. I still had to run back and forth to the childminder, all of that kind of stuff. Um uh, but it's like, um, you know, all those employers, which was like, no, we, we can't do any job sharing. It's absolutely impossible to do this job as a job share. It's absolutely impossible to do it working from home. Mm, funnily enough, then they had to do it from home. So it all became possible. So and now we've got that thing of why why some workplaces want people back in the office. Why? so they can watch over them and that kind of paternalism. And I mean, people have been used to, yeah, it's not all good news. It's, it can be isolating. I know for a lot of, I mean, my daughter was kind of, she said it was difficult. She she had a job during the pandemic. She worked in ter- tourism and she lost her job right at the beginning when everybody stopped traveling. Um, and then she went into another, another organization where essentially for the whole of her job, she never went into the office. They didn't have an office. I mean, that was a startup that she worked for. It, they didn't have an office. Everything that she did was online. And she said, it's just really difficult because I'm I'm doing everything. And, and the, the women that she lived with, they were working from home as well. And she said, we've got three of us here trying to work from home. We're all kind of doing this kind of different thing. And part of her social life is meeting people at work. So now she's got back into travel and she's found a job where I think she goes into the office um maybe two or three times a week and then she works from home so she's got that mix and you know she cycles to work so it's, it's like so all of those things kind of come back so I think different age groups have found it difficult it's not always a you know a good news but the choice and the fact that you now can work from home and that it's kind of normal and expected I mean my husband's got a job where I think he goes into office once a week so it's just like so that kind of thing has become blended you know, and, and so the same thing, if you've got your own business and I had, you know, there were women that actually were running a particular business. There's one woman, um, she, she makes vodka, she makes lots, she makes rum as well now, which is all great. It's really good. Samples are great. So, um, you know, talking to her and she said, yeah, it was all about selling it, selling it in shops and restaurants and, you know, and all the rest of it. And then suddenly she had to think differently, and so suddenly, she invented a whole load of cocktail kits, and she was selling them online, and that was very successful because people were sending espresso martini kits all over the place. And so there we go. So there's, there has been that innovation, there has been a change, um, and a lot of women had to do that. And a lot of them actually said, "Well, if I if I'm doing this business and I'm doing it online, I can go and live in Devon. You know, I've, I've been going there on holiday. Well, why don't I do that?" We saw a lot of people move down here. You know, Devon and Cornwall you know, different issue kind of going on about house prices. But it's like a lot of people moved out and said, why am I doing this? Why am I working like this? Why am I living like this? So so those all those questions have kind of uh, have come out of this really, really challenging time. And I don't want to kind of, you know, downplay that. And I think a lot of it was to do with, you know, the leadership that we experienced or the lack of leadership that we experienced. But some things that people have done to, cope with that, to deal with that, I actually think are positive. And and a lot of people have decided, you know what, I don't want to work for this organisation. It kind of pushed them into, I've always wanted to do such and such. I've always wanted to run my own business. I've always wanted, I've had this idea about. A lot of women that I talked to in my research had kind of started their business, late 30s, 40s, that kind of thing, which is then how that links into menopause, because menopause average age in this country, 52, perimenopause is going on for four years at least before that. But in your 40s, women are, you know, as well as everything else, women are going through this particular hormonal journey. Um, where you become, we talk about it as, you know, as your estrogen goes down, which we call lady forgiveness, estrogen is the is the is the nice, is the nice hormone, the take care, the taking care hormone. Um and as that kind of goes down, Lady Forgiveness has left the building and women just kind of think, you know, I'm not taking this crap anymore. So so all of those kind of things happen. A lot of women do start their own businesses and it kind of was, the pandemic was a bit of like, a kind of, right, off you go.
0: Mm. Yeah, some really interesting topics coming through here, aren't there? I mean, I, we'll, we'll come on to the, uh, uh, the, the menopause thing in a moment because I think obviously, you know in this current transition which I guess society you know, particularly yes. Western the whole country going, going, going through the change. whole
1: country going through the change.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And I think just this understanding of kind of the importance and the relevance and, and actually just getting a basic understanding of kind of what does this actually mean for all of us, you know, men included? Mm. I mean, I think this is the really interesting thing that's kind of happening with menopause now. The, the Just the awareness of, oh my goodness, it's just, it's, it's a thing. It's a really big thing that affects it's men good. and women, in, obviously yeah. in very different ways. But I think we'll, we'll come on to that in just a moment. I'm interested in this thing about, just going back to something you said a little earlier, which was almost, it's this this kind of archetypal role that typically, you know, you said that um, women need to be looking after, you know, the children need to be looking after yeah. the house, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of things that, you know, society has reinforced for literally thousands of years for whatever reasons, and, you know, that will be a whole different topic in itself, but we are kind of where we are. But do you feel then that if there is no like an acceptance of this kind of more blended, you described it as blended working, Mm -hmm. others might call it hybrid working and stuff where there is this kind of flexibility about the where and the when that you're doing things. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, I'll put in brackets women at the start of that, so women entrepreneur, and you are now being it's more acceptable to be doing it on your terms, kind of when you do it, how you do it, where you do it. That actually is going to help to fuel this kind of resurgence, if you like, of women coming into you know, decision-making roles, more senior roles in, in a larger organization, into industries that you know have been they've been completely underrepresented. But also from an entrepreneurial side of things, it's more acceptable to get funding because you're a woman in brackets, entrepreneur, um, and, and all of these things. Because now it is actually how all of us, men and women, are starting to work flexible hybrid working which was predominantly women probably because of the nature of the other roles they had whereas now men can take that on as well but it's not almost a taboo thing it's almost because it's accepted does this give women an opportunity to say well one yes we were right all along yes look at us in all our dual treble quadruple roles that we have to perform it's like "Now come, guys you've got to kind of join us in the world that we're in rather than the other way around so it's not women having to become like men in men's work it's much Mm. more about actually the men joining the women in this kind of hybrid working because it feels like it would be a much more kind of usual typical thing for a woman to have to do that juggling and have to have that flexibility whereas men have predominantly been you do the nine-to-five you do the commute Is it for men now to come and join women on that side rather than what we're told in the media is all about Where women joining men's kind of industries and men's work? Mm -hmm. Surely it's the other way around from what you're saying.
1: I think it's like, you know, in terms of like there's a difference between an industry, you know, like, oh, should we have more women representing in, in various areas? Yes, we should, because it's always, you know, it's always a benefit to have multiple points of view. And I kind of think, you know, men and women, whatever, I think it's really interesting. I think, you know, until we get out of this whole, you know, it, it's it's just different people, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of making those kind of different decisions. So, yeah, that's good. And I kind of say and, and the Athena doctrine guys, they kind of say, well, you know, men, you need to become more like women because this is where 21st century leadership is going, because that's where people want it to go, because um, people have more expectations of the leadership and the managers that they're working for. It's not the old stuff. You know, back in the 1950s, the kind of, you know, need to know business, you know, um, the autocratic style. You know, we've got lots of forms of leadership now. Leadership theory is kind of all over the place. Um, And they talk about servant leaders. They talk about authentic leaders. We talk about charisma more, all of those kind of different things. Um, So it's not just about making people do things, you know, in that sense. So, you know, and I kind of think that... Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of easy. It, it's interesting when you look at it, because it's still, it's still not there yet. I mean, I kind of, I was, you know, I remember, you know, I was at a university in the, in the, in the 70s. And it was like, we kind of thought we had it sussed. We thought, you know, yeah, the feminism, right, sorted, you know, and then you got the Equal Pay Act. Great. How how did, how well did that work? There is still a huge gap. I mean, we've kind of seen that research in PR where they're still looking at a pay gap. Um, my, I, my, my masters, I looked at the glass ceiling, um, in public relations. And I remember talking to, uh, lovely old John Lavelle, who was the, the CEO of the IPR at the time. And I kind of, Oh, I'm doing this work looking at the difference between men and women's salaries. And he was like, Oh, you can't possibly compare that. It would be like comparing apples and pears. And I'm like, why Um, but anyway so it's like you know that whole thing of you know people oh no no women now you know in PR they they do different things from the men you know and it is like you know it's a very feminized industry you know 65% of the industry is women but where are they they're all in those technician roles and they're all lower down the tree Um, it is starting to change now I think the last piece of research I looked at the kind of state of the industry they were looking at quite far up now you've got Quite a lot of equality in in the terms of the seniority. It used to be that you know the wind did all the grunt work, and the guys uh, were on the board. You know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but now I think that has changed. But you know, I was looking at that in '95, and we're now in 2022. It's still taking a long time to to get that. When you look at you know MPs, you know the way that the, the way that our government is run is is ludicrous for anybody. You know not just women. Um, and, and the selection process is completely, you know, skewed, uh, and all these kind of different things. So you're kind of thinking, well, if it's not at the top, then what, you know, what incentive does an organization that's run by guys and is quite happy. Thank you very much. You know, um, yeah, I remember, (laughs) We, uh, Andy Green and I, we um, we wrote the first um, equality statement in the institute, in the IPR as it was then, um, when we were running the Yorkshire branch, and we brought it to the table. We brought it to the, uh, the you know the the national meeting, and we said we've written this equality and diversity statement. I mean this is way back in the 90s, and we said we think this should be adopted by the IPR because there was nothing in the code of conduct about it. And I remember just having this meeting, and somebody kind of, oh, that's right. And we we kind of said, well, we need to get away with this term. You know, we need to do away with the term chairman. You know, I'm not the I'm not the chairman of Yorkshire. I'm the, the, the I was the chair, and then and you get the usual stuff. Oh, you want to be a piece of furniture? Oh yeah, really? Like nobody's thought of that before. Um, and. And then, and then the guy who was, who was in fact the chair of of the meeting said, "Well, isn't that just? It's just a term, you know. Chairman, it's just a term. It's like, you know, um, you know, like charwoman. You know, that's, you know." And we're going, "Did you, did you just hear what you said?" Because he was like, "Well, if you were doing that job, you would be called a charwoman, wouldn't you? It wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. You know, it's just this job is called a chairman, and we're just going. Me and Andy just looked at each other, and we were just like." can't believe he just said that. So we're, you know, hopefully we're further on from that. But it's, it's, all those things. I'm rambling now. I'm rambling now, Neil. You just you just set me off on one, and I'm just rambling.
0: But but this is what becomes so interesting because it, it kind of uncovers these little these little anecdotes of of reality. Because you know we we can sit here and kind of just reinvent the textbook and as you say just continually fuel the issue and the problem. But I think what we're kind of identifying here is that there are little moments probably in life and little moments in time and big moments when, you know, the whole of the world gets locked down where suddenly there is this kind of almost sh- seismic shift between what we had before and actually what we've got now. And and I guess it is this kind of realisation and kind of opening up of, yeah, the conversation, just the debate, just the fact we're talking about this topic now on this side. Imagine sort of 10 years ago, we would not have been able to, with evidence like in your research, be able to talk so kind of confidently the fact that we could mm. kind of evidence change you could see that there's going to be something different coming or it's already here and it's mm. evolving to, to me it's these kinds of conversations that are so exciting because it just triggers those little moments where you think it is actually happening and it's almost like now we've got the permission to talk about this stuff that's the big to me mm. that's the big difference
1: I know I know and it's it was interesting for me. I mean, as I say, you wouldn't have thought Yorkshire was kind of in the forefront of, you know, gender equality, would you? But we were, we were. You know, me and Andy, we were kind of doing the, the having the flag, and um,
0: yeah, I was
1: interested to see when they redid the. I can't remember. Did they go from code of conduct to code of practice anyway? And what they do is they weakened, they weakened it to say something about because I think ours was quite a strong statement about, you know, you, you shouldn't actually discriminate on any of these bases and i think it now became a kind of awareness of and be aware of these different kind of things and i'm just like (sighs) but as we've seen the industry is moving and changing you know women are trickling up thank goodness um and uh yeah so Mm. glacial shift glacial shift is where it's at
0: Mm. and and of, of course one of these big shifts um is this whole thing and we said we talk about the menopause side of things i mean again just the fact that it is now mainstream um you know davina comes on to the you know sort of tv with you know a long show sort of you know taking one side of the uh, equation and there are obviously many sides and i'm sure we'll hear your side in just a moment um but it's just the fact the conversation is out there it is happening it's mainstream media you know people are not kind of shying away from it it isn't just all oh, it's the m word and we're not allowed to talk about that which you know mm. you look 10 15 years ago it was almost one of those taboo words that you would never heard ago. or seen do, do yeah. you think it's that recent
1: I think it's that recent, Um, when Anne and I started doing this work, which must have been just before um, pandemic, you know, BC, you know, before COVID. Um, So we were doing this. And I remember meeting a woman at networking because obviously that's where my, that's where my, my target audience was. So I was out there networking. And I met this woman and she called herself, she called herself a midlife coach for women. And I went, Oh, great. I said, well, I do, I do a lot of work around menopause. And this woman kind of, almost physically recoiled from me and kind of went oh no I don't I don't don't call it that you know and it was just like well your midlife coach that's what's going on for women in their midlife that's what they're you know as well as everything else you know it's not just about making a decision it's like this hormonal chaos is going on that's that's going to affect how they make decisions and what decisions they make um and she was like oh no I don't talk about that and I remember that we had a leaflet and we said something about menopause and I remember you know, handing it out there's some network. And this woman said, and I, I'm, I'm looking at her, I'm thinking, yeah, my target market, you know, she was mid 40s and I'm kind of going, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you should be here. And she kind of went, oh, no, I don't, oh, it says menopause on here. Oh, I don't, I don't do anything about that. And it was like, no, I don't want to admit I think there is still a bit of that, you know, we don't want to admit it. Women don't want to admit that they could be menopausal because the it still is, even with um, Davina, God bless her. It is that same thing as you have a personality um, transplant. You are, you know, the old grumpy woman and um, you're going to be crazy and um, you're going to be emotion over emotional. You're going to be all, all of these kinds of things. And besides which, as a woman, that means that's the end of your fertility. So as far as nature is concerned, you're you're now superfluous to requirements um so it has a lot of other things going on there women you know and and, you know the whole thing about aging women they become invisible you know good old moira stewart who was told you know she had a great face for radio you know she was supposed to move off tv um and all these very experienced women and then as i've said you know Women get old, but men become a silver fox. And I go, but they probably weren't even a fox to start with. And suddenly they're a silver fox. And you're going, How did that happen? I don't know. So so there's a different, you know, concept of, of an older woman and an older man. So so women don't want to go there. Um and for a lot of women the menopause is happening, their kids are grown up, they're leaving home, they've got emptiness they've got all of these all of things all their roles are changing all things are different uh, and then suddenly they have this hormonal chaos and this you know this transition going on um and i kind of think yeah it is good it is good that you know mariella Frost, did it first davina mccall but you see they they're coming at it from a you know the only the only way is hrt you know and to me it's not the only way um and so we come at it from a kind of informationist power you need to know about all the alternatives you should be planning for this you should be thinking about this in your kind of you know late 30s 40s just be thinking about you know because as far as women are concerned there are two options you go through menopause or you die early so and at the moment menopause is looking at the preferred option really at this point so you know looking at that Look at the things that you look at the kind of things, you know, talk to your sister and your mother, you know, if your mother will tell you anything about it. My mother would never say anything about anything um, because it's, it's, you know, every woman is different. It's kind of likely to look similar to your, to your female relatives. Um, see what they experienced. 40% of women don't have serious symptoms. And I think 25% of women don't have any symptoms whatsoever. So they might suddenly kind of wake up and think, oh, hold on a minute. All right, I haven't had a period for a year. Oh, I must be postmenopausal." There we go, there was a moment, I'm I'm beyond it. So, you know, 60% of women have symptoms bad enough that they need to take time off work, but most of them don't feel able still to tell their bosses that that's why they're having that time off work. Um, And we only hear about hot flushes and all the rest of it, and nobody really, and there are 35 different symptoms, you know, and HRT is a bit of a catch-all you know, if it doesn't work for the symptom that you need it to work for, maybe it's not going to work for you, or maybe you could do something else. Um, And the protocol with any medication is you're going to take it at the smallest possible dose for the least amount of time. And the protocol on HRT keeps changing. At one point, it was five years, and it was 10, and it was five, it might change. Um, My colleague, Anne, she had somebody in her clinic who was Had gone into early menopause I think and then was taking HRT for a whole number of different reasons been taking it quite happy with it it was fine it was working and um she had a blackout one day 10 seconds it might have been and then they kind of went oh contraindication you have to come off HRT so suddenly she's on cold turkey what do I do now so having a plan b is always useful so information is power find out all you can and plan because if you're kind of balanced hormonally going into menopause it's much more likely that it's going to be a smooth ride but um yeah so that's our message think about it before your house is on fire is what i'm saying is you know if your house is on fire you're not ringing up the um the fire brigade saying i need a new smoke alarm you're, you're saying just come here and make it stop which is i think where most people get to with hrt they just kind of think just make it stop so
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this, if you're correct, which I'm, I'm sure you are, which is this whole correlation between, you know, lifestyle, life change, becoming yeah. an entrepreneur, you're hitting menopause or perimenopause or because, again, statistically, that's the kind of time when you're likely to be an entrepreneur yeah. because you've, you've got an opportunity here because the kids are gone, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It fe- feels like there's almost an, an inevitability to this that you know you're going to be presented with these options if you have a family the family is going to grow up and go and it's within this window menopause is going to happen to you to a greater or lesser extent yeah. within this time window you have an opportunity because of the way the world is moving to be hybrid working etc etc here's the time window so this is all predictable isn't it this isn't something that is this great unknown out there it's yeah, like only 51 this is
1: yeah I mean I kind of say you know 51% only 50 only 51% of the population go through menopause but it, it affects 100% of the population in that sense so you're right it's it's um it's it's foreseeable you know it was foreseeable it's like climate change you know it's no surprise um so yeah and, and then suddenly it it becomes you know I mean I kind of think it's it's interesting I mean I mean. It, hrt was kind of first thought about in the in the in the in the 60s i think um and gynecologist he he thought uh, estrogen therapy would be good because it would stop women becoming dull and unattractive um and um and they would be more more amenable they wouldn't get grumpy um if you had estrogen therapy and all the rest of it so that's kind of where it came from originally um and it and it is like well you know it is it should only be four years the transition is about four years on average if it's longer then you you should do something about it and not just HRT you need to look at what your symptoms are what you're happy with what you what you what what do you want to do about this um, and there is this great fear you know and 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 nobody kind of looks at what's beyond it which is this fantastic creative and. Um, you know, entrepreneurial. You know, my, I started my business in my fifties. You know, that entrepreneurial period. Women are creative. They're experienced. They're the wise women. You know, and if if businesses actually can't be bothered to take account, it, it's not rocket science. There are a number of things you can do to make it okay for women who are having difficult symptoms in their menopause to make it okay, because you're going to lose that experience and and that knowledge. Um, you know and it's been suggested this might be why there are fewer women CEOs because they get to that point the business doesn't want to know you've still got to deliver in a particular way you've still got to look like this you've still got to turn up at meetings you know in your business suit whatever it is even if you're feeling like you're 150 degrees whatever it is Um, if you don't take notice of that then those women are going to leave Um, and it's it's a loss to the businesses need they need experienced people with them, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, it's all linked and, and, and you don't have to start a business in your, in, in your, you know, in menopause and all the rest of it, but it it, it does seem to be, I spoke to a woman who's running a social enterprise course here at Dartington and she said, yeah, we get a lot of women coming on the course in their forties, you know, and you go, and I'm going, no surprise. Lady Forgiveness left mm. the building. They're just like, you know what? I'm fed up of working for this person. I'm not really getting my right recognition. I got passed over to a promotion. <laughs> Off.
0: Mm. Yeah, have you got any resources? I mean, it feels like you've opened this amazing Pandora's box of opportunity. I think for anybody who is at this stage, and/or is supporting or has a family member or a friend who is at this stage, it's just this inevitability. It's happening, whether you want it to happen or not, to a greater or lesser extent. So. Let's just be aware. Let's make this thing happen. And let's either support or be in it and start to make some conscious choices. Do, do you have any good kind of resources or places you can point people to? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of think that there's a number of things. One is uh personally, um, Anne and I, we kind of converted our face to face course into a video course. So we've got a website called uh, live life for me.org. And if you go on there there's a couple of courses there and one, it's, you know, um, menopause, we call it from one healthy state to another healthy state because that's the goal. Um, And it's up on Udemy. It's a course uh, about five and a half hours long and um, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free. So you can see whether you think it's going to be useful. Um, And then because our engineers, when we were doing the video, they were all guys. And um, I think there was one where, you know, I I said to one of them, oh, you've got the short story this this today, have you? And he went, no, it's quite interesting. So what we did was we made a course for men, which is explaining what do men really need to know about menopause? You don't need to know all the ins and outs, guys. You just need to know what the process is, what's happening. So we did a shorter video course for men and that's up there as well. Um, And it's called Menopause, What Men Need to Know um and i think that's useful because women a lot of women don't know they just don't know um and 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 we are here's all the information that you need use the information that you think is useful to you um and so we've got that going and then for the men it's like if you've got colleagues if you've got family members like you say you know if your your parents or, or your partner is kind of going through this you just kind of understand what's happening it is chaotic for women it's not that they're being difficult it just is chaotic um and then if you're a business uh to be quite honest the uh, cipd you know chartered personal development they've had stuff up there since 2017 they've got a whole raft of things for businesses which says these are policies these are you know things that you could put into into action so you know there's a lot of information out there you know and uh and, and, and you know, yeah, have a look. Our message is you don't have to suffer. You shouldn't have to suffer menopause. It's one healthy state to another healthy state. Have the information. Information is power.
0: And celebrate the wisdom. I love the thing about this kind of... This wisdom thing is like there's value at all stages of life, isn't it? And it's so different, you know, from being teen to 20s, 30s, 50s, Mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, 100s, whatever. There's always something of value in there, and it's just about celebrating. You know that moment, really. I talk a lot about being present in mindfulness, etc. But this is about not, as you've described it, not just saying, "Right, that's it." You know, that's the end because I've gone through menopause. That's it. There's there's no value on the other side. It it can be amazing. Much more fun on the other side, guys.
1: It is. It is. So yeah, and it was. I remember talking to somebody, and weirdly enough, this is some years ago, and she was she was Ukrainian, and and I was talking to her, and she kind of made some remarks. Said, "Oh." you know, how old are you? Because, you know, you make some reference to going to university in the in the 70s. And she said, but you sound really young on the phone. And I went, you know, told her my age. And she kind of went, blimey, you know, in Ukraine, women are basically, when you're over 60, that's it. You're, you're there with your slippers on and you're just waiting for them to come and take you out in a box. So it's all, you know, life is over. And I went, no, I've got another 30 years in me, you know, yet. And we have. So I, I do talk about reclaiming your cronehood, you know, you know, because crone, originally came from crown, so it's the queen. So I'm kind of going absolutely, you know, so I'm reclaiming my crone hood.
0: Brilliant. And I think that is the perfect exit. There we go. Alison is reclaiming the crone Off she goes. Brilliant. Alison, this has been really, really fascinating. It's really, really insightful, I think, for a lot of people just to open that conversation. So, you know, very, very grateful that you have. Um, I'll put the links um, in the description of this uh, particular episode so everybody can follow along. And uh, as I say, you might not be directly affected, but you are going to be affected by this topic uh, in in some shape or form going forward. So thank you very much for your wisdom, Alison. We'll call it that, (laughs) shall (laughs) we?
1: Great. Thanks, Neil. It's been fun to talk. Thanks.